Some of you, they're expecting Colossians. Can you go ahead and turn that screen back there on for me as well so I can see it? We're not actually going to be in Colossians this morning. I was, <laughs> you know, the funniest things tend to happen. And um, I had been praying and it was uncomfortable yesterday. And then all of a sudden God says, you're not preaching on Colossians, even though you've studied and worked on it all week. I said, really? He said, I want you to do something different. And I prayed and prayed and and. This is, I believe, the message that he wants us. And we'll get back into Colossians in a week or two. Um, but today, I really believe this is the message that he wants you to have this morning. And, um, you know, this is a great story. If you will, go ahead and turn to 2 Kings, and I want to read it with you. I want to read it with you. 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. As, as this takes place, the prophet Elisha is the prophet over Israel at this particular time. And, and uh, this guy right here that you're going to read about is a foreigner. But this whole message that you're going to see is a display of God's grace and power by healing someone that's an outsider. And when I think of outsiders, if you're a believer, you were an outsider at one time. We were all outsiders. But Jesus Christ died for you. He knows your name, even if you're an outsider. And he accepts you into his family. And if you will, stand with me as we read the verses. <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Naaman's commander of the army of the king of Aram was a man of importance to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore, the king of Aram said, go and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver 150 of pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant, Naaman, for you to cure him of his skin disease. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I a god, killing and giving life, that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Recognize that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came, and with his horses and chariots, and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored, and you will be clean. But Naaman 
got angry and left saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. Aren't Aben and Parfar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he only tells you to wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of the man of God. And then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. And Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elijah said, Elisha said, as the Lord lives in whose presence I stand, I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. Naaman responded, if not, please let your servant be given as much soul as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice to any other god but to the Lord. However, in particular matters, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Rimmon to bow and worship while he is leaning on the arms, and I have to bow in the temple of Rimmon when I bow. In the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And so he said to him, go in peace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the words that we just read about Naaman and being healed miraculously by your prophet Elijah and how that can apply to us today, how, how that whole story we can look at and pull out some truths for us to take with us. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, there we go. Yay. I like that. David, you're pretty good. All right. And so we open up this story, and as you look there, you see this man. He is a great man. If you will, go ahead and give me the first slide back. He is a great man with a great problem. A great man with a great problem. His name is Naaman. He's got a great need. He's impressive. It says he's the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He's a commander in this army. He could snap at his finger, somebody will come. He could do what he wanted. He is a very high-ranking individual. He doesn't need anything, or he doesn't really have a need. But he does. He has a problem with his skin. Now, you're, a lot of the versions you're going to read are going to say leper, leprosy. And, and the, that's kind of confusing because they use that term leprosy for almost all skin diseases. But I want to look at verse 27. Let me read to you the type of skin disease he actually had. Verse 27 says, 
Therefore, Naaman's skin disease will cling to you and your descendants forever. And Gogeze went out from his presence, diseased, resembling snow. So what he had was an issue with his skin being white. It could have been psoriasis. It could have been any number of skin diseases like that. But it doesn't matter. He's got this issue with his skin. It's not curable, and he can't do anything about it. So he's a great man with a great need. And when I think about him, I think about all of us. We all have a great need. Every single one of you has a great need. And the answer is Jesus Christ. You know, when I think about my great need for Jesus Christ, it came when I was 10 years old. My father had passed away. He had been in the hospital sick for about six weeks, if that. And I had to go visit him on a couple occasions and see him, weak and tired. And so when I came to Jesus Christ, my great need was I needed a Savior, obviously. But I needed a Father. For each of you that has a need, you had something that you needed, and Jesus is able to feel that. Jesus is able to, for the, for the one that has suffered with alcoholism as a vice in their life, Jesus feels that need. For the one that has anger issues and anger problems, Jesus fits that need. He fulfills that need. For the greatest person in all the world, Probably in the Bible, you'd say Solomon or Jesus, outside of Jesus Christ, Nebuchadnezzar. They all had great needs. Jesus Christ is the answer. With every person, there is a great need, and it is Jesus Christ. Because without him, we are lost, we are dying, we are sinners, we hate God. You might not think that, but without him, it says that we would not even look for God. We are totally depraved individuals, bound in our own sin. But Jesus Christ died for us on that cross to forgive us of our sins, and, he, and the Holy Spirit works in our lives to draw us to him, to reveal to us our need. So some of you out here, you might be lonely. You need Jesus Christ because he can fill that need. You, there, there's unimaginable needs, but Jesus Christ is the only one that can fill it. And for this guy, it was an issue of sin. It illustrates, this whole passage, this first verse, illustrates how God is sovereignly in control of all the nations. Not just Israel, his promised land in the Old Testament, but every nation out there. This is a foreigner, and yet God is still looking out into this country, loving these individuals, because what happens? So this man has a great need, a great man with a great need, but it's followed up with something that happens. In two to five, we see a great evangelist. Have you ever met a great evangelist? How many of you could say, I've met a great evangelist? I can say, I've met a great evangelist. The greatest evangelist to me is the person that led me to Jesus Christ. 
And that's who you should look to as a great evangelist because without them telling you, you wouldn't know. For me, that's my grandfather. Sitting at a kitchen table about four months after my father died. Telling me my need for Jesus Christ. And me accepting it. Because I had a need. Well, look at this great evangelist. Who is she? She's a young girl. It says, Aram had gone on the raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served, in Naaman, who served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, now remember, this is a girl that is young and is captive by this guy. He's taken her in and brought her into his house. And instead of rebelling against this guy, wanting him to die, she loves him. She has enough love for him to say, if only my master, if only this guy, Naaman, could go to Israel and meet this prophet, he could be healed. This girl had no reason to care about him. And yet she loved him enough to say he needed help. Enough to point him in the right direction. And, and, and she's just a young girl, but she's very important. Her parents probably died in these raids, so she has no family left. And she's with him. And so Naaman had heard what she said. And she, he heard what this girl said. And he went to his king. said, King, I need to go. I, I think about this girl. That could be any one of us. Are you really concerned about somebody's condition? Are you concerned about someone's some loved one's condition. This young girl was concerned so much about a man she didn't even have to love that she did the only thing possible that she knew could help. She told him about a solution. I'm telling you today, that solution is Jesus Christ. You are the evangelist. Your loved ones is the person that needs to hear this. They're just like Naaman. They have a need. You are the one that is able to help. Well, you're the pastor. Why can't you go talk to them? I don't mind talking to them. We're all in this together. But you are just as well needed as I am. You have people in your life that are dying without Jesus Christ. And they need him. And they're going to go to a place in eternity that, that you wouldn't want to wish anybody to go there. But they're going to go there regardless. Unless you step in and you tell them about Jesus Christ. You tell them there is something different. You don't have to be spotted all your life. You don't have to live with this all your life. There is a cure and it's called Jesus Christ. You have sin, but it can be cleansed by Jesus Christ. 
Never underestimate the power your words can have on a loved one. Never underestimate it. This young girl simply said, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. Your words are valuable. Your words are precious to that loved one. And they can be powerful in their life to show them their need for Jesus Christ. The great evangelist, a little girl that couldn't help but loving the man that took her in from a raid to let him know that there is a better way. So not only is there a great evangelist, not only is there a great man and a great need, but there is also a great word. Verses 5 to 13, you see it continued in 5. And it says, so he went and he took with him 750 pounds of silver. And 150 pounds, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, none of you would ever have to work again if you had that. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you could still farm if you wanted to. And I'm sure you would. But you don't have to. I mean, everything's taken care of. But he brought this letter to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel reads it, and he's like, are you trying to make a war with me? Are you trying to deceive me? What are you, what's up with all this? I, why are you doing all this? And it's simply because I want help. I need help. And, and, and I've been told that if I come here, if I come here, I can get healed. You know, there's a great contrast between these two. Naaman is coming here to get healed. And the king of Israel who has Elisha in his kingdom doesn't even have any faith. What, 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 what's coming here going to do for you, buddy? You should have just stayed home. There's nothing that can happen. And yet Naaman understood and knew because he was desperate. And the king doesn't even seek this guy out. The king doesn't do anything to help him. You know, your, your friends are going to have people in their lives, and sometimes you're going to have them. They're not going to help you know who Jesus is. They're going to be more of an interference for you or an interference for them than they are a help. And you have to watch out for that because the New Testament tells us there's wolves in sheep clothing trying to deceive the people. Now, your job is to tell others. But beware, there's people out there that aren't going to really help. They might tell them something else other than the good news. You need to be weary of that. And so this king, he had little faith. And he, he allows him to go on. And you see what Elijah does. Elijah sends out a messenger to this guy. He sends out a messenger. And he tells this guy, you know, go out to him. Go out to, the, to, to Naaman. And, and I've seen all this stuff. I've heard all this stuff that he's brought. Just go out there and tell him to wash in the Jordan River seven times. Nothing to it. Just go out there and wash. Go out there and wash. And, and, and you see what this guy does. Naaman, here's what he says. He's like, dude, 
It's, it's, your, your master it won't even come out here and give me the time of day. He won't even come out here. And, and then he tells me to go to this dirty river that you have. Aren't there better rivers where I live? He's kind of angry at all this. Because he was expecting somebody to open arms and welcome him in. He didn't expect somebody to just nonchalantly tell him, hey, go wash. Go wash in the river. Go to the Jordan River. And it takes one of his servants to make sense of all this. Hey, big guy, listen. If he told you to do something great, you would do it. And so, so he's listening. Yeah. Well, if he told me to do something great, like, you, you know, do, uh, you know, to go conquer this, the, 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 these people, I would send out my troops to go do it. Yeah, yeah, that's not a problem. But he's like, he's asking you to do something very simple. Very simple. All you got to do is go to this river, jump in there, go in and out seven times. And for the life of me, I look at that and I say, that's the way we are. We expect God to do some grand thing in our life or something grand to happen or we have to do something grand to be made accepted. Jesus says, narrow is the way. No one comes to God but through me. There's nothing you have to do. It's simply faith in me and belief. There's no jumping up and down 45 times. There's no giving me a million dollars. There's nothing you have to do outside of believing in me. Very simple thing. Go to the Jordan River. And, and, and after he gets sense ran through him, he does it. How how many times are we like that? How often are we like that? Is that all it takes? Is really this all it takes, God? Yeah. All it takes is for you to believe. All it takes is for you just to trust in my son, Jesus Christ. Nothing more? No. Nothing more than that. Why do we make it so hard? Why do we make the gospel message so hard for us and for other people? I don't know. All I know is it's faith. It is believing in Jesus Christ. Something very simple, and yet something so hard for people to do. That's the answer. Go jump in the Jordan seven times. Simple, easy, and it's done. And when he goes and he does it, he comes out, what's it say? That his skin's like a little boy. Look at, look at this, the great transformation that happens. So Naaman went down, he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, and according to the command of the man of God, then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy. Man. And he was clean. Women? There you go. You want, you want the secret to good skin? Go jump in the 
river, the muddy river, seven times. No. That's why you put mud on your face at night. That, that, that's where this, this is where that comes from. <laughs> this is where the mud packs come from. No. But it says that, that his skin was like that of a small boy. And then Naaman, with his whole company, goes back to the man of God. He's transformed on the outside, but look at the transformation on the inside. And with his whole company, he went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he declared this. I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. That's his conversion. That's, his, that's it right there. All these other gods I used to worship, I'm done with. There's only one God, and he's here. I, I know there's no other God in the world. Then he says, accept a gift from your servant. Elijah is like, I don't need your gift. I do it for God. I don't need your money. And he says, as the Lord lives in the whole presence, I stand. I'm not going to accept it. Naaman urged he accepted it, to accept it, but he refused. And then Naaman says this. He says, because I know that this is the God of Israel, because I know that the God of Israel is the only God, let me do something. Let me take a couple of these pack mules I have. Let me take the ground from this area. Let me dig it up, put it in my pack mules with me, and take it home so that I can worship on the same kind of land you're worshiping on God with. I don't know if you've ever read the story, but look at the impact it made on him. He didn't want to go back to his homeland worshiping God on his own soil. He wanted to worship God on that soil. That is a transformation. That is a transformation that was made in his heart because he found God. It wasn't just about him being healed. It was about a transformation in his heart. It was a transformation that affected every single aspect of his life. And he goes on to say, listen, I, I, I work with this king. He doesn't worship your God. But there's going to come a time when I have to go into his temple to worship, to hold him. That's just my job. Will you please let me be pardoned from that? Because it doesn't mean anything to me. But I have to do it. And Elijah tells him to go on. Go in peace. It's okay. Your, 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 your transformation is enough for God. How many of you have ever been transformed like that? How many of you have had that kind of a radical, radical transformation where you said, all these other things I'm done with. They're not from God. All the stuff I have, I need to get rid of it. I need to take the soul and start worshiping God there. How many of you have had that kind of a radical transformation? You know, I, I look at this and I see the story of Naaman. And, and 
it's an obscure story. It's one that you might not have heard too much about. But it is a real story, and it is one of the first stories that you read about in the entire Bible where someone's heart was transformed. An outsider, someone that is not chosen in the promised chosen people, but God still loved him. And by all rights, changed his life over some of these other people in his own country. And, and there's an application there. There's many of you sitting here that have been in here all your life. And there's been no transformation in your life. But yet when, when people talk to us or, or we're talked to, we'll say things like, well, I've been to church all my life. Yeah, I, I'm a believer. I believe. I've been in church all my life. You, you will not believe how many people I talk to and ask them, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to Jesus Christ. And one of the first things that comes out of their mouth is always, well, I've been in church all my life. I've been there since they built that thing. I've been there when they put the pews in there or when they put the chairs in there. And there's always a story and it always involves a lot of times them being always in church. And, and I try to get to them and say, that's not the story I want. That's not the story I want to hear. What I want to hear is how did you come to meet Jesus Christ? That's the story I want. I can tell you how I came to meet Jesus Christ. And it doesn't involve me going to church all my life either, even though I did. That has nothing to do with it. What has to do with it is the fact that I knew I needed Jesus Christ. And then I called out to him in faith and asked him to save me. So, so that is your story. If, if you have been touched by Jesus Christ, if you have been changed and transformed by him, your story is going to be something like that. This is what happened in my life. Not I've been in church all my life. There's a lot of people who can say that. But it is the change and transformation that happened because God looking at you, having a relationship with you because of your need for Jesus Christ and you understanding that and calling out in faith, I need you, Jesus. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? If you have it, you're fooling yourself and you are deceived. You are fooling yourself. But God in his mercy is willing for you to come to repentance because he loves you. And everyone can say amen about that because he does. And he wants you. He wants a relationship with you, with you, with you, with you. And when that relationship, ha relationship happens, there's going to be a transformation, just like Naaman. If there's never been a transformation in your life, you need to check out what's in here, because it might not be real. It might just be you have been coming to church all your life, and that's all it's ever been. Check out what's inside. Respond like Naaman, and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And don't sit here and start saying, I've been in church all my life. Start with the relationship in Jesus Christ. Let us pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this poor outsider that had everything in the world going for him that didn't have to do any of this stuff, but knew of his need, and in that need became desperate, and in that desperation found you. Father, that's, that's the process. That's, that's what happens. I pray, Father, for the ones that are out here that know you and love you, that they will take their story like this little girl and start sharing that story with others. And for the ones that are out here like Naaman, Father, I pray that they will be broken to realize their need for you, the real need for you, not just the faith that's been passed down year from year, but their own personal relationship with you. And Father, for the people out there that are like the king, that are trying to get in the way of the gospel message, penetrating to the hearts of people, we pray, Father, that you will remove those people out of the lives of others, that your word will come through and will speak to the hearts. We just pray for all of us right now, Father, whether we're trying to be an evangelist or we're trying to find you, that you will work in our hearts this morning and discover what Naaman found, you. In your name we pray, amen. amen.